The Fellowship of Christian Athletes, the heart and soul in sports, welcomes you to sharing the victory. We just played so well, we could have beat anyone. A man of God comes out and be aggressive every play. We were unstoppable. You get into God's game and he'll get into yours. Thank you to the fans, the best fans in the world. Here's the host of Sharing the Victory, University of Nebraska assistant football coach, Ron Brown. I am so glad you could join me today. We got a great program for you. Later, I'll talk with former big league pitcher, one of our all-time favorites, Dave Dravecki, about his amazing testimony. We'll also talk about the incredible opportunities that FCA chaplains have to encourage coaches and athletes in the college sports world. But up first is Kansas City Royals pitcher Brian Bannister. Brian is in his second full year as a starting pitcher with the Royals. Sharing the victories, Bill Bumpus raided the clubhouse and had an opportunity to chat with Brian. Boys having another solid season uh, with the Kansas City Royals starting pitcher for the Royals, Brian Bannister. And Brian, thanks for the time. Oh, it's good to be here. Well, let's first talk about uh, your background in baseball. It really begins with your father, I guess, Floyd Bannister, 15 seasons in the major leagues. Tell me about uh, his influence and uh, how he shaped your life for baseball and really every aspect of your life. Yeah, he was really a a great example for me, uh, not only as a baseball player and and as a dad, but as a Christian and uh, just always... uh, was able to leave whatever happened on the baseball field at the baseball field. When he came home, he was just dead. And uh, that was a tremendous uh, example to set. I never once saw him come home and uh, be angry or upset or frustrated. He was always just dead. I mean, he'd come home and play Nintendo with us or board games or whatever we were doing back then. Well, when you look back at those times and, uh, again, the background that your father had, um, was there a point in time where you came to the realization that God really wired you for this, so that he shaped you to play baseball for his glory? You know, it's funny. I think uh, God definitely uh, does things in unique ways. And I never actually was sure of the fact that he wanted me to play baseball. But along the way, he's always continued to open up opportunities for me. And uh, I've always been just diligent and faithful to uh try and get the most out of my ability I, I knew I had a little bit of hand-eye coordination in this game but was never the best player around and uh, it's amazing how he works uh, if you're just faithful to not be too ambitious but just to uh, let him guide your heart and just uh, continue to just uh, glorify him in any way possible he'll put you in situations where uh, you can really shine for him and he's continued to do that in my life we're visiting with uh, Brian Bannister, starting pitcher for the Kansas City Royals. And, you know, you talk about uh, those uh, opportunities that the Lord gives you and uh, a lot of opportunities here in the locker room. I know that it's your teammates who see your passion for the Lord and for baseball. Can you tell us uh, how you use this clubhouse as, uh, as a mission field to minister to uh, the players? You know, it really is a mission field, and um, we're all part of of the body of Christ, and we're all put in different areas and with different spiritual gifts. And um, I know that God wants me here right now. He'll let me know when he doesn't want me here anymore. But for now, you know, these are my guys. These are the guys that I'm supposed to love on. And uh, it's a special opportunity because every guy that that I'm able to uh, bring the Lord in here or just share my faith with, they go home and have tremendous influence on their communities. Um, You know, they're pretty well known where they come from not many guys make it to the major leagues and 
they usually have a, a lot of impact on kids from their areas, and uh, it's amazing when just one guy in here comes to the Lord, he comes back, and it's a trickle-down effect. I mean, he just is able to plant seeds in the hearts of so many kids out there, and you know that's why I have such a passion for it because I, I just realize the the limited time I have here, but yet what a wonderful opportunity to share God's Word. Can you talk about the ups and downs in baseball? There's a lot of successes, but there's also a lot of disappointments as well. You talk about how you're able to uh, stay on an even keel and uh, keep things in perspective. The funny thing about this game is uh, I always talk about it. It, it is a game of failure. The most successful players are the ones that fail the least. But if you look at it, whether you're a pitcher or a hitter, you're, you're failing all the time. And uh, mentally, it can just be a, a roller coaster throughout the year. It's kind of like a marriage. I don't know how people do it without the Lord because it just takes uh, his strength just the, from day in and day out. There's so many tough things you go through physically, mentally. It's just those kind of curveballs that life throws you, to use a pun, uh, is where God just shows his, his glory and his strength. And I just always trust him because I know that regardless of what happens in this game, he's got a plan and that he'll use it for his glory somehow. Uh, you look at Job and just the things he went through in his life and, and never turns back on God. And it's just such a great example of what we, we should all strive for because life's going to be tough. Just because you're a Christian it doesn't guarantee you that life's going to be easy and it's probably going to be even harder because the world didn't exactly love Christ, and uh, he still loved the world and uh, loved the people, and, and I think that's what we're called to do. Brian Bannister, thanks for the time. You're an encouragement. We'll continue to pray for you, and God bless you as you continue to play for the Kansas City Royals, and thanks so much for the time. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Bill Bumpus, you are a go-getter. Thanks. That was a great interview. There's still plenty more on the way. Coming up next, I'll talk to Wes Yeary, the new sports chaplain for Baylor University. We get to help these young men find their self-worth, and meaning, and purpose in life outside of the game of football. You're listening to Sharing the Victory, the national radio show from the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, pointing you to the heart and soul in sports, Jesus. Introducing a new revised softcover edition of Tony Dungy's autobiography, Quiet Strength. This custom FCA edition includes an extra chapter on Coach Dungy's life after his Super Bowl victory, study questions following each chapter, and a chapter on Coach Dungy's involvement in FCA. For a donation of $15 to Sharing the Victory Radio, we'll send you the new FCA softcover edition of Quiet Strength. Call Monday through Friday toll-free 1-866-STD-5031. That's 866-788-5031. There is a common place for student-athletes and coaches to go to strengthen their faith in Christ. At my FCA huddle. There's a place to be encouraged to face the trials and temptations of life. At my FCA huddle. There is a place to receive confidence to share the light of Christ. At my FCA huddle. FCA huddles meet on junior high, high school, and college campuses all across America. To find one near you or to learn how to start one up, call toll-free 866-STV-5031 or go to fca.org. Hi, Ron Brown, your host, back with you on Sharing the Victory. It's FCA across America. Wes Yeary, recently named as Baylor's first sports chaplain. Wes played his football at Baylor University for the legendary coach Grant Taft. Wes was the national leader in the training and development of FCA's college team chaplains. I had a great opportunity to talk to Wes about being a chaplain. As our campuses in America become more politically correct 
and are shutting down opportunities for the gospel in the, in the major mix of the to and fro of, of a university, the chaplain becomes a very important person because there still is a reserved place for there to be a Christian expression. And, and that's where a chaplain can really enter in. And, you know, I, I've noticed as a coach, Wes, that one of the greatest things that I could tell my players is that football would eventually fail them. That they could not just stand on the game of football and, and just expect that to fulfill all of their needs, as many of them are led to believe. Is that one of the roles that you have as a chaplain to remind them that there's something much bigger than the game of football? Oh, yes. One of the fun things I do every year is just share with them how many years I've been on the sideline as an athlete, as a coach, and as a chaplain. And I tell them every single year, I, I've seen in all those years that there's a lot of things you can do at the football uh, you can snap it, you can hike it, you can hand it off, you can run with it, carry it, and tote it. You can uh, strip it, <laughs> fumble it, fall and, and roll on it, or scoop it for a score. You can pass it, catch it, tip it, deflect it, intercept it. You can kick it, punt it, pooch it, squib it. And, but of all the things that you can do with the football, uh, you can't stand on it. Hmm. And for us in the role that we play as a chaplain, we get to help these young men find their self-worth, uh, meaning, and purpose in life outside of the game of football, in which so many today are trying to find that in a game. And yet, you know, and uh, we all realize that my career, my playing days, can end in just one play. Mm. And truthfully, I'm not promised another day mm. even. And one of the things I share is that we are promised Christ's presence if mm. we turn to him in a, mm. in, through a personal relationship. And that's what uh, helps me in the game that I play and in life stand firm no matter what happens around me. So, Wes, what you're saying is that the game of football should be getting these football players ready for something that's far greater than a professional career that for most of them won't ever happen or glory that comes about even in their college days. What are we getting them ready for? Oh, it, to me, it's the greatest training lab for life and to help them become the men that God created them to be and to use those talents and abilities to play the game itself, but use the lessons that athletics brings, the, those life lessons and what it means to be a part of a team and ultimately point them towards Christ. Uh, as we work through a season and help them see that they were made for even a greater purpose than what they're doing out there on the field. You're saying to me, Wes, that we're getting ready to flush these athletes out into a world where God wants to use them in a powerful way. Uh, they're not going to be in athletics, most of them, for very long. And so our, the next set of voters that we get, parents, uh, businessmen, politicians, you name it, many of them are going to come out of this world of college football, college athletics. So what role does the Christian coach really have in terms of producing the next realm of infrastructure in this nation? What kind of responsibility do we have as coaches? Well, I know some of the greatest influences on my life have been coaches. You're under their leadership for hours of every day as well as year after year, and the decisions they make impact you in a great way as well as the example that they set. And those coaches that live by faith day to day, mm. uh, when circumstances change, win or lose, uh, no matter what comes their way, are an incredible witness to us as young men mm. who are watching them during that time and seeing what real, authentic faith is really all about. Mm. So I'm thankful for those coaches that see that opportunity and use it for God's glory and as a witness for Him.
That was Wes Yeary, the new sports chaplain at Baylor University. To learn more about FCA's chaplain ministry, go to teamchaplains.org. That's teamchaplains.org. You don't want to miss what's coming up next. Former big league pitcher Dave Dravecki retells his inspiring story of battling cancer, which ultimately led to the amputation of his left arm. And I'll never forget the words that came out of the first reporter who asked the question, Dave, where is your God now? It was a privilege and an honor to be able to say that my God had not gone anywhere. That's coming up next on Sharing the Victory, FCA's weekly national radio program. Sharing the Victory is more than just a radio program or magazine. Sharing the Victory is available 24 hours a day at sharingthevictory.com. At sharingthevictory.com, you can click on radio and listen to the program online or subscribe to the podcast. There's also articles, testimonies from athletes and coaches, and a place for you to submit story ideas. You can also download Sharing the Victory wallpaper for your computer. Check us out online at sharingthevictory.com. That's sharingthevictory.com. For working out or going to the game, for every occasion, FCA has clothing that feels comfortable and also allows you to honor God when you wear it. Whether you're male or female, an athlete, coach, parent, or fan, you want to show you support the heart and soul in sports. And of course, Bible devotionals, worship CDs, and posters are also always available. To order online, go to fca.org and click on FCA Gear. Again, go to fca.org and click on FCA Gear. Hey, this is Nate Giratano, National Director for FCA's newest ministry, FCA Skateboarding. Check us out on the website at fcaskateboarding.com. Now back to Ron Brown and sharing the victory. In our Where Are They Now segment, we have caught up to one of the great names in the world of baseball, but also Christianity here, particularly in, the, in America. And his name is Dave Dravecki. And Dave, welcome to our show, and thanks for being on today. Oh, it's great to be with you, Ron. Thanks for having me. Dave, in 1988, you were at the top of your game. I mean, you were a great baseball pitcher. Uh, you were an all-star pitcher. But it was later overshadowed by the discovery of cancer, you know, the removal of half of your deltoid muscle in your pitching arm. What was that day like for you? Mm. Well, you know, it was a very difficult time in my life because at 32 years of age and being an athlete, a professional athlete, at the peak of your game, you feel invincible. And nothing's ever going to happen to you, and it's always the other guy. And all of a sudden, a small lump begins to develop on the outside of my left arm, and being a left-handed pitcher, that obviously wasn't a good thing. And that lump grew to half the size of a golf ball. And when the doctor said it was cancer, uh, my world was turned upside down. My faith was shaken um, to the very core. I realized for the first time in my life that I wasn't the one in control of my life, but God was, and I had to trust him as we moved into this place um, where we didn't know what the outcome was going to be. Well, Dave, after that uh, moment there in 1988, you made a great and incredible, courageous comeback, and you were back pitching again in, in 1989. What took place after that return to the game in 89? It was a wonderful experience because when I was diagnosed with the cancer, The doctor said, outside of a miracle, I would never pitch again. And then after going through 10 months, 11 months of rehabilitation, and there were many days when I felt like, is this really going to work? Should I quit? There were a lot of people alongside me that God used to encourage me to keep moving forward. And 
All of that culminated with a lot of hard work on August 10th, 1989, standing on the mound in hmm. Candlestick Park, getting ready to pitch against the Cincinnati Reds. And and we went on to victory that day, Ron, and it was, a, it was an incredible day because all I could think about was the words that came out of the doctor's mouth, outside of America, you'll never pitch, and there I was pitching again, and I was so thankful that God had given me another opportunity, and it, it was a powerful day, but five days after that, you're back in the saddle, you're part of the ball club, you're wearing the uniform, and you're actually participating, and so I'm thinking, everything's behind me, and there's nothing but positive in front of me, and uh, in the sixth inning against the Montreal Expos on August 15th of 1989, I reared back to throw a pitch to Tim Raines, and my left arm snaps in half, and uh, my career is over, and the cancer has returned, and well, here I was on the mountaintop five days before on August 10th, 1989, and all of a sudden I went smack dab into the valley um, on August 15th with a broken arm and, and a career that was over. So there were a lot of emotions racing through us at that time, and it was, uh, again, going into a difficult place of um, wondering where do we go from here, and, and God, whatever it is, give us the strength to continue on this journey and to face what we have to face. You know, Dave, so many people base their definition of God on the success of a return. You know, it so epitomizes Hebrews 11 to me, Dave, that the Christian can experience this incredible comeback where you physically conquer all the odds, but also can experience the collapse of the physicality that seems like it'll never end, and yet God still works through that. How did you get your head around this entire experience as a God glorification package in your life? Mm. That's a great way of putting it, too, a God glorification package. Uh, You know, I guess the easiest way to sum that up, Ron, is it was really easy on the mountaintop to stand at the podium after a victory against the Cincinnati Reds and making the comeback to say, I just want to give all praise and glory to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But five days later, would I still be able to say the same thing? Hmm. Because all of a sudden now I'm with a broken arm, and and I'll never forget, after that evening, went to sleep, got up the next morning to fly back to San Francisco after the arm had broken, and prior to going to the airport, the general manager and several others asked if I would stick around for a press conference before I left, and I said, sure, no problem. And I'll never forget the words that came out of the first reporter who asked the question, Dave, where is your God now? Hmm. And, and Ron, it was a privilege and an honor to be able to say that my God had not gone anywhere, Amen. and that he was still on the throne, he was still Lord of my life, and that in the valley I would also be able to find strength in him, and his grace really has been sufficient in my weakness. He would provide the strength that I would need, and it wouldn't be an easy journey after that. It would be very difficult with highs and lows and doubts and fears and questions, but it doesn't change the fact that God is who he says he is. Amen. We're talking to Dave Dravecki, the outstanding former Major League pitcher, all-star, left-handed pitcher whose left arm was stricken with cancer and had to retire from the game. Uh, And when the death of that left arm took place, there had to be a resurrection as a Christian man that showed up as well, because we know the principle in Christ. When there's death in Christ, there's resurrection in Christ. What was that resurrection for you? Well, it's really interesting because with the loss of the arm came an identity crisis. The reality was that I really placed an awful lot of emphasis on what I did Hmm. as a Major League Baseball player that developed and shaped my identity and in some respects actually confused 
my identity with Christ. What was really interesting was in losing my arm and going through a major identity crisis, going into clinical depression, battling with the question, if I could no longer be a baseball player, then who in the world am I? All along knowing that Christ died on the cross for me, and that's where my identity is, but I was struggling Mm -hmm. as a human with these issues. Mm -hmm. And God brought me to that very simple place, and that was back in August of 1981, when I came face-to-face with Jesus on the cross. Hmm. And God said, Dave, your identity has never been in baseball. It's always been in me because of what I have given you through my son. Hmm. And it's not what you do that matters most, Dave. It's who you are. Mm -hmm. And who I am, as John says in 1 John 3, I believe the very first verse, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Mm-hmm. And then it was through crisis, and it was through the loss of an arm and the loss of a career that God had to remind me of what happened some 15 years earlier when I became a follower of Jesus, mm-hmm. and that my identity was not in what I was doing out there as a baseball player. It was in who I am as a child of God. My guest today has been Dave Dravecki, former Major League Baseball player, very inspirational Christian as he talked today about battling through cancer and the difficulties of life, remaining strong in Christ, and allowing Christ to do incredible things through him. Thanks for being on the show, Dave. Thank you, Ron. Monday is Memorial Day, and coming up next, FCA President Les Steckel has a challenge for you. It's right here, next on Sharing the Victory. Cole throws it in the end zone. It's intercepted. The ball game and the season are over. Over. Yeah, that's me. I can't seem to get away from it. I feel like I let down the entire state. Yeah, it hurts. But don't worry about me. I'll be fine. There's someone who's there for me and cares for me no matter what. Unconditional love. You know what I'm talking about? Go to morethanwinning.org. Next weekend on Sharing the Victory, St. Louis Cardinals pitcher Adam Wainwright discusses the importance of family in his life. I go out, I pitch bad, and I'm walking out, and I don't know really what to think, and I'm kind of struggling, and I walk into that family room, and I see my daughter, and she just makes me forget about everything I've done at the field that day. She just melts me every time. Plus, we'll catch up with two former North Carolina Tar Heels, Danny Lotz and Albert Long. Make a point to join us next weekend for Sharing the Victory. Hope you're enjoying Sharing the Victory today. Hope you're excited also as we celebrate Memorial Day, reminded of the soldiers who have laid their lives down for our freedom. Our head coach at FCA is Les Steckel, former college and NFL coach and former Marine. Here's Les with Coach's Corner. This is Memorial Day weekend. For many people, it's an anticipated three-day mini-vacation, an opportunity to prepare for summertime. Perhaps for you, it involves watching the Indianapolis 500 on TV, or testing out the new barbecue grill you bought, or driving to a nearby softball tournament, or planting in your garden. Yet perhaps your Memorial Day weekend will also include some time to reflect on the real meaning of Memorial Day. The day, of course, is a national holiday to keep alive the memory of the members of our armed forces killed in war. Originally known as Decoration Day, this tribute was established in 1868 by General John A. Logan, Commander-in-Chief of the Grand Army of the Republic, 
to honor Union and Confederate soldiers who died during the Civil War. That year, flowers were placed on their gravesites at Arlington National Cemetery. The alternative name of Memorial Day was first used in 1882, but did not become common until after World War II. Federal law made official the name Memorial Day in 1967. Unfortunately for our great country, the once traditional and solemn observance of Memorial Day has largely diminished over the past several decades. The grave sites of fallen soldiers in many cemeteries across America have been neglected and are often overrun with weeds. Many cities still have some Memorial Day tribute, but the parades I remember from the past are seldom held, and the holiday has become more about hamburgers than about heroes. Thankfully, there are exceptions, such as at Arlington National Cemetery, where for more than 50 years, soldiers from the 3rd U.S. Infantry placed small American flags at each of the more than 260,000 gravesites there. And in 2004, Washington, D.C. again began holding Memorial Day parades after more than 60 years without one. Your schedule may already be quite full for this Memorial Day weekend, but I wonder if you might join me, a former Marine officer and Vietnam veteran, by making a really small but still meaningful sacrifice of your time. In 2000, a resolution was passed establishing a national moment of remembrance on Memorial Day. The resolution asked at 3 p.m. local time to voluntarily and informally observe in your own way a moment of remembrance and respect, pausing from whatever you are doing for a moment of silence or listening to taps. May we count on you this Monday, this Memorial Day, to stop at 3 p.m. wherever you are and recall those who made the ultimate sacrifice for us to enjoy the freedom we have in this greatest country that has ever been established. Thank you, and God bless you. And yes, God bless America. Man, I can smell it. It's called Q. Y'all know what Q is? That's when people get out there and start barbecuing, man. Memorial Day weekend, are you kidding me? I can smell the flavor in the air. Hope you have a great Memorial Day weekend celebrating America's freedom with great food and mostly fellowship in the Lord Jesus Christ. We do have some great stuff next weekend. Adam Wainwright, St. Louis Cardinals pitcher, will be with us, and some old-timers from yesteryear, Albert Long and Danny Lotz, two outstanding athletes from the University of North Carolina, will be with us as well. Have a great week, and remember, there are two ways of doing sports, God's way and man's way. Which will you choose? (laughs) Oh, man, that chicken barbecue chicken. Oh, that smells good. Mm Mm-mm. As you may know, Indianapolis Colts head coach Tony Dungy is a best-selling author. His book, Quiet Strength, has sold more than one million copies. We're excited to announce that a new revised softcover edition of Quiet Strength is being made available. This is a custom FCA edition with many new features, including an extra chapter on Coach Dungy's life after his Super Bowl victory, study questions following each chapter, a chapter on Coach Dungy's involvement in FCA, and an FCA section featuring the competitor's creed and coach's mandate. For a donation of $15 or more to Sharing the Victory Radio, we'll send you the new FCA softcover edition of Quiet Strength. Call 1-866-STV-5031. That's toll-free, 866-788-5031. 
Our offices are closed now, but leave a message and we'll get back to you on Monday. Again, the number is 866-STV-5031. Thanks for listening today and make sure to join us next weekend for Sharing the Victory. Sharing the Victory is a production of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. FCA is the heart and soul in sports.